0: Obviously, these big, giant companies, they have the resources to be able to do that. But how does anybody out there or how does even entrepreneurs with budding ideas that are going into the business world, how are they able to tap into these technologies? And I think that's where companies like us come into play so that they can also take advantage of it.
1: Founder of Finite AI, an AI solution for the skincare industry. We're used to hearing about language models for AI now. But in this case, Fatima is using computer vision, which is a type of AI, as a way to interpret skin types, helping consumers buy the right products for their skin type and skincare companies deepen their relationships with their customers and increase sales at the same time. So let's get stuck in and find out more. I'm Finola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. And today I want to introduce you to someone very interesting who's doing some unique work in the space, in the AI space. And I wanted to share with you a different approach to entrepreneurship or the startup tech approach to entrepreneurship that we get someone really early on in the process who's already had some successes in a really new space. So today I wanted to introduce you to Fatima Awan from Finite AI, and we're going to find out about her story. Welcome, Fatima. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I want to share with everyone how we actually connected, which is quite bizarre in some ways, and maybe it's not bizarre at all. Something happened We on
0: Twitter. We actually connected through Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, through our main brand account, which is Finite AI, um, you know, we were just kind of trying to engage with our end audience, which is basically uh, skincare brands or e-commerce and retailers. And uh, we came, came across a uh, Niam from uh, Hollows. Niam Yeah. Yeah. And we saw we- that, you know, there was an engagement. It was her podcast that was actually uh, with you a-, a while back. And, um, yeah, we saw that, you know, we learned about her story and we're like, well, this is, this is who we want to be speaking with. And so she was very interested in it and we got connected that way.
1: And then I got really interested in it. <laughs> and then I... <laughs> I wanted you on the show, so it's really fantastic. Okay, let us start with Do we start with your story. Yeah, let's start with where maybe tell people about the business first really quickly and we can get back into it, but then tell us about how you started and your background.
0: Sure. Uh, Yeah. So uh, with Finite, uh, it's basically um, we are an AI software. uh, We're a tech startup. We started back in 2020. Uh, I mean, we can get into the journey of it, but basically, the product we have today is an API solution for online retailers and e-commerce platforms to help them increase their sales conversion rate. And we do that through our deep learning uh, personalization software, so it basically provides recommendations to customers as they are shopping on uh, any given site. Yes, but there's more than that.
1: <laughs> <To laughs> the thing that really you're so used to telling this story. So, I want you to say a little bit more. Okay. So, what really amazed me was we all think of AI from the perspective of ChatGPT and language models and things like that. But what really interested me was you had figured out a way that you take an image and see and look at the pixels of somebody's skin. And based on what, on all of the data that you have accumulated over this last while, based on that data, be able to recommend skincare products based on the accumulation of pixels in their skin. Is that correct? It, yeah,
0: kind of. Uh, so, Real I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um So basically, if we talk about the technology itself, um, we are looking at computer vision. So, you know, you mentioned about generative AI, and uh, we have seen last year in January, there was uh, an explosion of AI basically because of OpenAI's chat GPT release. Um, and mainly you will notice that even within e-commerce and marketing, there's a heavy focus on generative AI and you know GPT-based uh, technologies. Uh, what we are looking at is slightly different. We're looking at computer vision and uh, you know even deeper within that is CNN, uh, so that's convolution neural networks there is a slight difference between the two and i'll get into it but uh, with computer vision what we're looking at is you know detecting information from an image and when we talk about an image it's basically a grid of pixels so the way that we have developed this technology is uh we have trained you know a data set of about forty thousand and eleven hundred and 1100 original images um so you know looking at millions of pixel level annotations based on the RGB values, which is, um, you know, red, green, blue. Um, and so, you know, you can basically train and build an algorithm as such so that the difference between, you know, the magnitude or the difference between the skin textures is in the difference between the magnitude of the pixels, uh, based on their RGB values. Um, now with Gen AI and CNN, the difference is, I mean, they're both machine learning, uh, you know, methods, but with generative ai it uses um something called neural net transformers like uh you know generative adversarial networks so they will essentially generate or discriminate a task and that's something you will see chat gpt do you know it will generate text based on you know an input that you provided or generate an image based on an input text input that you provided Uh, whereas cnn it it basically does image uh, recognition and classification so You know, one will basically recognize an object, the other generates it.
1: Okay. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) (laughs) With your use of image and the, uh, as you put it, computer vision, tell us specifically about that. So I get the sense that if it's looking at, the RGB values of skin tone, texture, et cetera. So say, for example, I have rosacea, which means I have red skin, red pixels in my skin. That then I'm presuming means that you can look at a set of products that will actually uh, recommend skincare products that suit the rosacea in my skin.
0: That's right. Um So, uh, I mean, when we're talking about the RGB values, that's getting very deep into the actual process of how the algorithm is trained. But fundamentally, if you look at like the concept behind it is you take a set, you know, image set, you tell that image, like we did classification and segmentation with classification. It's just a label on the image. That'll say, Hey, this image has pores on it, for example, or acne on it. So it's like a text label on the image now that's great but you know within that image there's uh, you have a whole you know facial structure and within that there's uh, there can be a lot of different uh, other factors going on as well you know in parallel to maybe pores or even within the image itself where do you identify the regions of pores so we have actually gone a step further to that and segmented it so we created these maps within the face where uh, you know it's looking at areas of pores or areas of acne or you know dry areas or uh, wrinkles, or so on and so forth. So uh, once, once, you know, you have that labeled and segmented data set, then you can build the algorithm. And then it will basically provide an output based on the learned information it already has. So um, the output that the AI now gives, so the way it works is, you know, you go on a shopper's website, uh, you see uh, lots of products, like, for example, let's look at Amazon. And you want to buy a sunscreen, Um, you know, you can type in sunscreen into the Amazon search bar and you're probably going to get some like 500 pages of sunscreen pop up because Amazon's a giant platform. There's so many products out there. Now, how do you know which sunscreen is correct for you? Uh, You can filter it. There's filtering methods on the side of the uh, of the of the platform itself and even like with most e-commerce uh stores as well you know you can filter based on text or you can filter based on the options they have on the side um, and that's going with the presumption that you know what it is that you're looking for but if you don't then you're kind of like just browsing through many pages of products and maybe just you know making a guess and then buying the product and then using it but maybe not liking it so we have tried to like reduce all of this friction within the shopping experience where now the consumer can just upload a photo or take a live photo and the ai does the detection for them and then it will show all of these recommendations that are suitable based on what the ai has detected within the image Uh, the information that it will give you on the outset is text-based so it'll tell you so it basically is digesting information but giving you uh, something that you can actually easily understand. So it'll tell you, hey, your skin is looking normal, or hey, your skin is looking dry, and we have detected areas of pores. These are some products that you know can help address that. So, fantastic. That's it. Yes,
1: <laughs> excellent. Because we have to make it so people can understand it, and that's just how you've explained it. it feels so simple, but it's also quite mind blowing. You know what I mean? It's really I mean, bravo. Now, the thing that I love about your story, Fatima, is this was a problem you had. Yeah, that's right. You became your own guinea pig for your <laughs> own tech startup. <laughs> yes, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's very right. Why don't you tell us that story? Because I, the other part of the story that I like is that you've you've looked at two different mo- business models. So tell us the story of how how of the challenge that you had personally and how that turned into a business, and then the two approaches you've had in turning that into, you know, two different revenue streams?
0: Sure. Um, I mean, so that would take me back to when I first started the business, uh, which was back in 2020. Uh, And, you know, um, if we go even further back to that, you know, I was working in New York for another digital health startup, I was running their R&D, and that's kind of ties into my background as an engineer. So I knew it was kind of setting me up for a stage where I wanted to uh, pursue a business of my own, uh, you know, figure all of those things out. It was just itching at me, but I wasn't sure how I was going to do that, what it would entail. I was quite freaked out. I didn't even know what I was going to do. Uh, but uh, you know, mid 2019, when I moved back from New York, uh, back home in Canada, uh, you know, kind of twined with the idea of starting my own business. Not sure where to start. I came across Founder Institute, which is a pre-seed accelerator program out of uh, Silicon Valley, but they have Uh, offices all over the globe. Uh, So they had a location in Waterloo, and I think, I believe it was relatively new. So I joined the program, you know, we started off with, oh, I forget the exact number, but there was a lot of us, maybe 100 or so of us, um, you know, budding entrepreneurs with ideas, uh, wanting to refine the the method of it. Uh, And at the end of it, we only had about 11 companies that actually formed after the four months. So uh, we were one of them. Uh, Basically, it allowed us to really kind of you know, settle in on the one prog- the one idea and kind of test it from all directions to make sure that it works uh, before we go out and launch this full-sledged company. And at the time, uh, you know, when I'm thinking about what the business is going to be, uh, I'm also struggling with and thinking it was actually just a aha moment like, oh my gosh, why is not this happened? Because, you know, in the background, um, I have kind of struggled with like, skin issues and mainly because, you know, I would go to the store and back then there's not that much online, but there is a lot of brick and mortar. So you go into the store, you see thousands of products on the shelf. Um, you make a purchase, you come home, you try it on and then I would have like adverse reactions to it. So uh, it was starting to get annoying where, you know, it's like you're you're spending money uh, you know you're putting in the energy to buy the the product as a consumer as you should as the way you have been advertised to, but it's not working for you. Uh, so I wanted to be able to automate that process in a way that could work for that would simplify it for the end consumer. Um, and obviously, with our phones, we already have even back in 2020 facial recognition and even prior years before that facial recognition already existed. Uh, so it wasn't something new or novel. But uh, we just kind of took it a step further. So we took a basic commodity like our phone uh, and turned it into a way where, you know, you can take a photo and the photos are matching you with product uh, recommendations. Um, So when when I first launched in 2020, early 2020, um, the idea was an app, a direct-to-consumer app, because that's how I had pictured myself using it. Uh, so we did, we got, we went ahead and built the app. I, it was bootstrap. I used my, uh, you know, my own funding. Um, and we launched, uh, the app to the Apple app app store and the Google play. And it even exists there. We have some 10,000 user downloads. Uh, and you know, uh, the app was basically finding products from Amazon actually. So even now, you know, the users, they take a photo and then it will match you with products on Amazon. So, um, you know the fact that you know new users are actively downloading it without us spending any marketing on it is is in itself a validation for me. So I'm I'm happy about that. Fantastic. And it's called
1: the Finite app, or what do you what did you call it?
0: Yes, it's just just finite. You can find it on um on the App Store or Google Play and give it a try. Um, yeah. But with any kind of business, you know, it evolves over time, and we saw that there was an there was a need much larger than what we had originally anticipated. So um, in 2022, uh, we raised our first round of funding. Um, We received um, a pre-seed note from Marl Accelerator, which is uh, an investment firm out of uh, San Francisco, Silicon Valley. Um, and had a bit of a pivot. So now the focus was B2B, uh, where we could develop a product that could be applied to the larger and um, broader market with retailers. Just take a moment, because I think it's really interesting.
1: Uh, What made you realize you needed to do that pivot?
0: Um, I would say it's a combination of a bunch of things, but mainly what I was learning through that journey of building that initial product, which was the app. Um, yes, we built the app and it was for the consumers, but I was seeing that this technology could be largely applied to the broader markets. And also when I was, you know, interacting with different stakeholders, like investors or, uh, you know, just pitching to people in general, uh, the, the feedback that I was getting was, well, what about the brands and what about the e-commerce and what about the retailers? Because they also have a need for that. And. a a really big gap right now in the market for that. So it was always playing in the back of my head, but at that time, which was the early years of, uh, this idea, I was first focused on, you know, even getting the technology right and building this initial product that we had uh, envisioned. Um, and especially with the idea of, you know, doing it with Amazon, it was just also uh, appealing. (laughs) So very much focused on that, but yes, it was, it was playing, it was brewing in the back of my mind. And then finally it was the right, I think time in 2022 when we got the funding and now we could heavily focused on the B two B side of it and and yeah go from there. So, what does that look
1: like? So your your B two B, tell us about the B two B. So how how is that going to work?
0: So with the B two B, we had when we were thinking about the product, it had to be. Simple enough that it could be applied. I mean, e-commerce is a huge market. If if we're just talking about skincare, particularly within e-commerce, it's $183 billion. Uh, And it's projected to be even more than in the next decade. So, um, you know, when we think about this market, we had to build a product that could be easily applied to the end customer uh, without there being too much friction in it. Um, so what we came up with was an API solution. Uh, so with the API, what I mean is we have five endpoints. These are just like URLs, which you can embed within any e-commerce platform like Shopify, WooCommerce, or if you're using your own technologies like Magento, WordPress, whatever, and uh, you can enable and tap into our uh, machine learning models and you know in- enable that personalization for your uh, end uh, customer. Um, so with this API, uh, what it does basically any kind of the value proposition for the end customer is that, you know, we've built it in a way that it is modular. And as I mentioned, platform agnostic, but, uh, what we're focusing on is for the end customer to be able to increase their sales conversion rate, because now that the shopper has kind of, you know, really tapped into their needs and are making purchases based off of it, it is, you know thereby going to increase your conversion. It is going to increase your customer engagement. It is going to have that repeat loyalty value to it. Um, and we went a, a bit further than that because once we launched, once we built this product and launched it last year in 2023, uh, you know, and got those first customers on board, we were starting to, you know, taking the feedback from them. And like, uh, you know, the product that we had delivered to them, what it is that they were kind of the missing aspects of it. So that really, Uh, I think was great to what the product is now, Uh, because what we were learning is that uh, beyond the personalization and beyond, you know, that initial ROI for the customer, which is the conversion and the engagement and the loyalty, uh, they also wanted, you know, as a skincare company or as a retailer, they wanted to be a data enriched company. So uh, we were, I mean, the data is being generated, but they were not able to collect it. So we built a way for them to now be able to collect that data on their end as well, so that they can now have or tap into more informed decisions. So now basically what happens is if you know someone is going through that process on on on, on a retailer's platform that data gets sent on the back end they can tap into it on the dashboard and they can download it and and connect it to their CRM so they can actively uh, you know get involved in marketing campaigns based on data that is being generated on their platform which I think was a huge value add for um for our customers.
1: Huge value
0: add.
1: Yeah. Amazing. So, just so that we can explain to people. So, now in this pivot that you've changed to or you've added uh, to the B2B perspective, now what you've got is a product for skincare companies, a piece of code that five pieces of code that they can add to their website. That when a customer comes to their website, that, that customer of theirs will upload a photograph of theirs and And what will spit back to them is recommendation of their products, just their products for that customer. And as a result, presumably from a marketing perspective, you tighten that relationship with the customer because you have that personalized approach because you've recommended something for their skincare, which automatically brings them closer as a customer. Yeah. That's fantastic.
0: That's correct. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Good. <laughs> I'm glad I got that right. So, and then the other part, which I think is really interesting, that data enrichment, that's, uh, because clearly that's something that's, we're all hearing about data, 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 and we've heard about it for years, but now with AI, it seems to be that it becomes more democratized. We're all actually being able to access data for our businesses, our data, because
0: that, who, well, there's my question for you, who owns the data? So, hmm. well, it depends on what you define as the data. Are you like talking about the images or are you talking about the feedback from the AI? I guess the short answer to that is it depends on the client whether, because we see both sides of it. there We get clients who uh, don't want any part of the data because of uh, you know, especially if we're talking about European clients of GDPR reasons, so they're like, we want mm. to be in compliant with those laws. Uh, we don't want any of the data saved. So, and if that's the case, then none of the data is saved, and none of the it doesn't go through that route. But if if the client is looking to save the data, then or are they choosing which parts of the data they want to save, then uh, they can do so. Like whether that's the image, if that's what they want, or if uh, you know the AI feedback that's being. Uh, given from the from the consumer from the images Um, and also with the crm integration what happens is um you know now when the user uploads the photo and sees the product recommendation they can also uh you know give out their email so that they can be contacted later on so all of that gets synchronized into one dashboard so you have the email of the customer you have the customer's information which is their skin type skin concerns so now you're not only just you know showing products to your customers but you're learning what it is that the customers want uh or what their needs are and it helps you kind of uh you know now even for future r d like you want to you know focus on areas that your customers are interested in or your customers have a need of um so it provides demographic information
1: i presume then you'll also start to see patterns of the uh types of skin that uh, are most buying your products where you're most successful with and it's actually so yeah, it's not just absolutely a sales figure it's got you've got a richness to the data so it's not just i sold 10 boxes of this it's like no i sent 10 boxes of this and these are the types of people who are doing it and bum 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 and it's not what we expected you know it can be things like that will happen
0: that's absolutely right, and um, that—that's exactly what's what's happening now uh, as a result of it. And, and you're seeing, and it's interesting because you mentioned about uh, democracy and de- democratic, democratically, you know, building products that can be applied to everybody. Because uh, the reason I say that is, uh, if we look at large platforms um, like Shopify or Amazon, these are—I mean—they have a huge market share, and obviously, they understand the need of AI. We're not even talking about the future anymore. It's here. It's in the present. They understand the need of it to solve their business problems and to be still relevant in the market. So they have already developed their own tools. Uh, Like, for example, Amazon uh, developed a program called Sequoia, I think, um, where now they're able to uh, not just it's not just the Gen AI that's writing the product descriptions or, uh, you know, enabling better smart filters or even product recommendations based on text. Uh, it's now able to you know, tap into um, and look at inventory data. So they're able to process and reduce processing times or they're able to plot delivery routes you know, based on real time traffic or uh, weather data or they're able to uh, predict uh, the, the demand for products. So they have 400 million products, but now they can do a daily demand prediction on what kind of products uh, customers want to purchase. And not just like in one particular area, it's like all over the world on a daily basis. I think that's huge. Um, but honestly, these big giant uh, companies, they have the resources to be able to do that. But, you know, how does how does anybody out there or how does, you know, small, even entrepreneurs that are like with budding ideas that are going on into the business world, how are they able to tap into these technologies? And I think that's where companies like us come into play so that um, they can also take advantage of it.
1: And did you realize that's what you were doing when you started? No,
0: I did not. <laughs> I did not. Um, I yeah. didn't. <laughs> no, honestly, I didn't. I when I started, I it was just okay. Yeah, an app. Let's automate this. And I was, I was, I have to be honest. I was very focused on the mobile part of it because we all use smartphones. So. Um, and even now with the B2B shift, you can use it on your smartphone. So like with all of these skincare brands, if you're using our product, your customer can tap into this on the mobile too also. Um, but yeah, when I started off, it was just an app um, and it was just an app that was linked to Amazon. Uh, now it's not just that. It can be linked to any e-commerce platform.
1: Let me ask your thoughts now about, you know, this this. To, there's two divides going on with um, AI and one is, oh my God, look, we can make things so much easier and so much simpler and do things much faster and really progress. And then there's the flip side of we're really scared about AI. What's, what are your feelings about that working in this space? In the working space or in, in general? No, well, I mean, you're in this space. So you're, your business is called Finite yeah. AI. So you will have a perspective. Um,
0: I guess the way I approach it is how I approach anything in life. Uh, I I guess I am a centrist, so I like to have a balance. Um, With AI, yes, there's a lot of talk around, oh, yeah, you know, with AI is going to basically replace humans in the workplace and it's going to replace everything, everything's going to be automated. There is some truth to it, uh, but it the technology can also be supplemental to what we're doing. So, and that's the way I'd like to approach it. Um, and I think, you know, with anything, like if we were back in the stone ages and we were thinking about a computer that could like now, you know, like with Excel or any of these Microsoft products that came out and made our business world so much more easier. Um, before that we were like manually doing tasks, but with these products, it made it more efficient. So that's the way I see AI. Um, I don't think it needs to be too crazy but i think if if it can supplement your work and make it more efficient and make businesses stronger and more competitive in the marketplace uh then then that's a good thing um but is it gonna replace us and are we gonna all become cyborgs and machine bots and whatnot i mm-hmm. hope not but who knows it could also happen. I I think the way I would say is that have have a balanced approach to it and and figure out why it is that you're tapping into the AI technology. You know, what, what are your end goals for it? Uh, What are you looking to get out of it? Um, And so I think it depends on the individual. I think it depends on the business, um, what it is that they're looking to do with the technology.
1: And how are, how are your B2B customers now? are they getting their heads
0: around it? Are they excited by it? What way are they receiving oh, yeah. the, uh, Especially with, as I mentioned with GPT, uh, once it came out, everybody was like, there was an AI uprising. So um, it's it it's no longer like teaching the, the customer the, the pain points anymore. The customer has already is aware of it. Um, so it, it's it's much more simpler than that. Um, it, so yeah, I think it's easier, especially with OpenAI's release. Um, you got a It got a bit more easier than that. In some ways, I think what it's doing
1: is, as I reflect, it's the customer is actually, it's not, we're not asking about pain points anymore or coming up with ideas for solutions for for our customers. The customers are telling us and we're just simply acting on what the customer wants. And it's the most direct route now.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, so like with our customers, you know, you have these brands that are already doing the digital marketing. They're spending money on, uh, you know, Facebook or Instagram ads or even in content marketing. So, if, and they might be using generative AI for that, for content marketing. So, there's a lot of play on that already. So, they understand AI from the generative perspective, which is what we were talking about earlier, the, the difference between generative and CNN and computer vision. So, we're we're just an additional layer on top of it uh where it's 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 not based on just text and uh it's not just based on like advertisement it's the ai is basically doing all of that for you so like once it's implemented on the website it auto markets the product to the customer and it also takes the customer's information so that you have better informed decisions in the future or even in the present so um it it's basically a smarter way to go about how you would market your brand uh and how you position your brand uh to your customers
1: absolutely tell me share with us if you don't mind a high point and a low point as a startup our biggest lesson
0: you know what i don't have any words so I i wish i could sit here and be like all oh, wise about it it <laughs> it's not easy it is uh it's not glamorous as it's made out you're at least when I was, you know, first starting out, uh, you know, you have, you hear all these stories about the early 2000s and the big rush of the internet and, and all these like Silicon Valley companies starting out and you hear success stories of these founders, you know, PayPal and Facebook and all of these big companies starting about, you hear about the venture capital world and all of that. So it's cool, but it's evolved from all of that to what it is now. Um now anyone can start a company you don't need venture capital you don't need funding uh, you know even because with all of these new technologies you can literally build a piece of code and you know have the product ready and go to market with it uh but but entrepreneurship in itself i think um it had it has become easier because of the technologies but i think fundamentally it is still it's a very lonely process that i'll tell you it's very lonely uh you're you know, you have to really believe in your vision and what you're kind of, kind of imagining for uh, your business to be able to do it in the long run. Um, so, yeah, it, it's tough, but I think if you stick around to it, and and to stick around to it, let me add, let me add to that as well, to be able to stick around in in a journey like that, I think you have to have some sort of level of insanity because a rational mind would not keep pushing you forward. <laughs> <laughs> so. If you have those things, go for it. (laughs) But
1: I think, you know, lots of entrepreneurs say that bit of insanity or also they say ego. But I also do think that entrepreneurs have purpose. And that's what keeps them going, that they want to solve a problem. I do. I just see it too much in every conversation I have and. always there uh, self-effacing and saying oh no it's my ego or i'm being i'm crazy but no it's it's a drive to
0: solve a problem that's right and i think yeah i mean if if that's not there then you i mean you're just not gonna make it past the initial like one week or something it's just not gonna work uh, i think for me what kept pushing me was i mean inherently i'm a builder i'm an engineer so i love to build uh and also you know on the side i've gotten into construction a bit too i love I'm noticing there's other parts of me that I that I like to apply that to. So I like building. Uh, So I was excited to build and solve this problem. And that's what I set out to do. And then it evolved and it became another thing. So then I started set out to go build that. So I think one after another, it was kind of an iterative process where I was building on, um, you know, on pain points on on uh, things that needed to be addressed within the market where there was a gap. Um, So yeah, so I think that that's what kept me going. But Definitely, it is uh, not an easy journey, but one that I am glad I went on.
1: <laughs> That's a good way to finish. yeah <laughs> <laughs> one that you're glad you went on. And what is
0: anything exciting coming for next steps
1: for finite AI?
0: Well, um we are we have been through the pain and building the products, so now we're just happy to, you know, uh, deliver it to our customers. So we're focused on f- fostering our relationships with the customer, solving and addressing their pain points with our services. Um, so yeah, so, you know, growing the business, um, and then after this venture, we'll see where it, where it heads beyond that. Um, because like with any, I think with anything that you start, it does eventually come to, you know, its conclusion. So I think we're going to see that as well and probably head into a different direction afterwards.
1: Very cool. Wishing you all the best, Fatima. Thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your truth with
0: us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was lovely chatting with you.
1: (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Fatima, connect with her on LinkedIn and check out finite.com. That's F-I-N-I-I-T-E.com. And if you'd like to support the show, follow or subscribe on your chosen platform, it really does make a difference. And reach out and let me know your takeaways from this episode. What would you like to know more about? I'm looking forward to getting your message.